Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. We're blessed this morning as a church to have, I believe, one of the greatest on the planet here today. And I know that's a big statement, but I'll back it all the way because the man that I'm introducing has been in ministry for 70 years and just celebrated his 86th birthday and has done so much for the body of Christ that, you know, I, I, just, I just feel like a little minnow, you know, but this is what I love about the kingdom of God is God's always doing something brand new right now and Yes, there's 70 years of amazing history, but the one thing I've come to learn about Pastor Tommy Barnett and his whole family is they're interested in what God is doing right now. And so I'm just so excited and I'm really just, I'm just challenging you and, and just really want to extend that challenge. Why don't you believe for God to speak to you this morning through Pastor Tommy because he came here with a word and we've got so much ahead of us as a church, and so that's specifically why I asked him to come, to really inspire us and to help us get ready for all that God's doing. But let's really believe for an amazing uh, time in church right now. So why don't we stand right now? Can you welcome with me Pastor Tommy Barnett this morning as he comes to preach? Remain standing for just a minute. Let's give the Lord a good clap offering. Come on. You can do better than that, I know. A little higher, one more. One more time. Amen. Wow. Well, before you see it, turn to the one beside you and say, you look like you've lost weight. Come on, tell them that right now. And you'll all feel better after that. All right. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Amen. Well, what a great joy it is to be at this great church. Honestly, I don't know of any church in eight years started as a baby that has grown like you have. This is truly amazing. You know, I'm glad to get here, and especially I'm glad to get through the Dallas airport. I got to tell you a story about that. Because every time I go through there, and now it's everywhere in America, I'll see two people talking. They're whispering, and they point at me, and they whisper, and I know what they're doing. Pretty soon, somebody gets enough nerve to come up and say, Mr., did anybody ever tell you you look like Jerry Jones? <laughs> I mean, I get that all the time. Uh, not too long ago, but let me, it gets worse than that. I was at uh, Minneapolis, I was at Milwaukee, waiting to, for somebody to pick me up to go to church. And a little lady was standing there, and she came up to me and said, Mr., did anybody ever tell you? And I knew she was going to say, Jerry Jones. And she said, did anybody ever tell you you look like, and I said, Brad Pitt? Now, it hurts me when you laugh that way. I want you to know that. No, she said, you remind me of President Biden. 
And I said, come on, man. So I'm glad to get to familiar territory to be with you wonderful people here today. And I want you to forgive me if I'm just a little sentimental. Our church this month, and they start this morning, but I chose to be with you, celebrating 100 years of age, our church is today. But not only that, this year, I turned 86 years of age, as he mentioned. I've been 70 years in the ministry, started when I was 16, now I'm 86. I've been married to the same gal for 59 years. I'd rather fight than switch, amen. God has enabled me to travel the world. Matter of fact, I got 6 million miles just on American Airlines, amen. So I'm very, very moved today, and I want you to forgive me because the joy of being here with your wonderful pastor, both of your pastors, Pastor Matt and Jill. Last night, we had the most wonderful time. This church knows how to host I've never been treated better in my life than I was and I am being with you great people. And there's a spirit when you walk in this church that's very, very special. Don't you ever get used to it. God will give it to somebody else if you get used to it. God's given you not only the great worship, my goodness, some of the greatest worship you'll hear anywhere in the world, but give you two of the greatest pastors in all the world. Come on, let me hear. Let's hear it for God. Amen. I truly love this good-looking couple. I just wish I was the same age they were, amen. But the great future is ahead of this church. Uh, on my 80th birthday, they had a special day of celebration at our church, and they invited many of the special friends to come. Many of you know that I am the chancellor of Southeastern University, a great Christian university right here in your own state. So the president was there and many special people. And the president stood up and said, today we'd like to commission Pastor Barnett to, to write his memoirs, his life story. And so we did. For eight years, we wrote the book entitled, What If? It's a story of our life. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, John Maxwell, if anybody knows books, John Maxwell knows books. And he called me at 9 o'clock and said, Pastor, I, I started reading your book, and I usually only read about two chapters, and I can't read all the books that I get, but I couldn't lay it down. And he said, I think it's the most inspirational book I've ever read in my life. And he began to promote it all over the country. I'm down to the last now, but we have some at the and on the way out, if you would like to come, I'd be glad to sign your book. I haven't got much time, but I'll do best I can between services. And uh, I'm going to give you a hug. If you're not a hugger, buy the book and run. <laughs> I'm going to tackle you right there in the lobby, amen, and give you a hug. So God bless you. And it will be a great joy to do that. You know, it's entitled, What If? God speaks to people different ways. Some people... He, they see visions or they see dreams or God speaks to them in an audible voice. That's wonderful. I think it's wonderful, but God never has spoken to me this way. The way that God speaks to me is he opens up an opportunity. And I say to myself, 
I'm not sure if I go down that path if that's God or not. But I will never know till I go down that path. That's what I did one day and I bought a bus. I didn't know if anybody would ride it, but it was filled. And then it was filled with 47 buses. I, I ended up buying, bringing 3,000 children to church. One day, opportunity opened to go to L.A. and buy the Queen of Angels Hospital. I thought, that could be God. And the Dream Center came out of that what is story. It's more of a novel book, and you're going to love it. I talk about raising kids and a lot of things. So stop by and see me. Father, this morning we feel your presence. There's a great atmosphere in this church. But Lord, I came to deliver a message for the hour of this church. I understand in a couple of weeks they're going to be launching. Talk of a new project, a new building. And if there's any church that has a need, it is this church. They need bigger space. They need a place together together. I pray, dear God, that I come not to preach a great message, but I have a great truth. And I pray, God, that this truth will come alive in the hearts of these people. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm a needy person. Now look at me and have compassion. I'm a very needy person. I'm not poor, but I'm needy. The truth is I probably never had been more emotionally secure and stronger than I am today. But I'm a very needy person. I've got incredible, loyal, wonderful friends. A person could ever have. But still, I'm a very needy person. I'm physically well and healthy. I'm a lean, mean, killing, I mean, kingdom machine. <laughs> but I'm a very needy person. You see, I've got a lot of needs in my life to accomplish the God-given purpose that he's put for my life. And I need a lot of people to help me do what God has called me to do. So you're looking this morning at a very needy person. Now, I want to challenge you this morning that it's the will of God for you to live a life that is full of need, the right kind of need. Now, there's bad need, there's wrong need, but there's good need. And I want to challenge you today that it's God's will for your life to have some kind of need in your life. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Laodicea. I know the things that you do, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, mediocre, status quo, I'll spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have need of nothing. But don't you realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked? Now follow me closely. Their mediocrity, their lukewarmness, their status quo is directly related to their need of nothing. So I'm going to show you for the next few minutes that need is not always the evil we make it out by making six statements. Are you ready? Statement number one, you need more of the right kind of need. My life verse is Philippians chapter four and verse 19. My God shall supply 
all of your what? Your needs. Now follow me closely. If I don't have any need, then why would I need any supply? My God shall supply what? All of my needs according to his riches, his purpose, his will in Christ Jesus. Now we know that that supply, follow me closer now, comes out of the riches of Christ Jesus, right? But think about this. Maybe the need also comes out of his riches. Do you know why a church like this church right now needs hundreds of thousands and even millions of dollars? It's because of the favor and the blessings of God on this church. This church is winning souls. This church has to be one of the fastest growing churches in America. This church is taking care of needs. They give an offering to us at the Dream Center, reaching the poor, the destitute, and those that need help. This church is reaching missions around the world. And the supply is promised to that kind of need. You take away the need from this church and you will not need any supply. So need is not always the evil that we portray it to be. In fact, did you know that need could be a very exciting thing within our life? Several years ago, Mother Teresa was in New York City. Mayor Giuliani was very impressed by her. And one day he said, Mother Teresa, is there anything that you need that I could get you? Oh, yes, she said. I need a building in New York City. She said, he said, well, when do you need it? Thinking maybe in a couple of months. She said, I need it tomorrow. <laughs> and the next day, she had the building that she needed. You see, my friend, she had a need. That was a legitimate need. A need that would touch the supernatural supply of God. I'm trying to tell you, there is no lack of supply. There's only lack of the right kind of purpose, the right kind of cause, the right kind of need. In fact, the Bible said, the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. I don't wake up in the morning and say, get behind me, devil, I rebuke you. No, I don't mess with him much. I wake up and say, good morning, Lord. The whole earth is filled with the glory of God. What route should I take to church? What shirt should I wear that day? You see, I, I kick every can. Look in what's under it. Every paper, there might be a miracle. I'm expecting God to do something great in my life. So number one, you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger the supply. Number three, God knows your need. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, it says the Father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him. And did you know that he's preparing miracles for you? That he prepared from the foundation of the earth. Now some of those miracles today are in seed form. So be very careful how you treat the one beside you. Matter of fact, nudge him and say, you better treat me good. I'm just a seed. And I'm going to be awesome. You may have to borrow money from me someday. Amen. <laughs> Several years ago, I was invited to speak 
at the National Black Pastors Conference in Washington, D.C. Now, I found out that I was the only Caucasian on the program. And I said, why in the world did you invite me? Everybody knows these black preachers are the greatest preachers in the world. You just set me up for failure. I feel like a pygmy among giants. They said, well, Pastor, we invited you because you've got a black heart. Amen. <laughs> so that day I gave it all that I had, you know. You know, in the black churches, they play that good music behind you when you preach. And then I got into it. I got in the rhythm of it. Matter of fact, I, I, I got to rapping. I mean, I really was into it. And I looked in the audience, and little did I realize, sitting in that audience was a young man that said, oh, God, if you don't bless me, I can't go on. My church is not growing. It's beneath a, a hundred people. But I preach a message that I'm pretty well known through if any message I preach entitled The Miracle in the House. In that sermon, I say that everything that we need to build a great church is right here in this house. The think tank. The creativity, the seed, the money, the provision, everything that you need to build that building, the seed for it is right here in this building. Come on, say a good amen. It's here. And there was a little pastor who got so excited. He told me, he said, later, if you just get me out here, God, don't let me have a heart attack. Because he was so excited, he said he thought he was going to have a heart attack. I'm going to be that miracle in the house. He went back, and his church began to grow. It just kept growing. And then he got on the national television and preached and stirred America. Several years later, he invited me to preach at his first pastor's conference. He had over 6,000 people in that audience that day. You might have heard of him. His name was T.D. Jakes. You see, sitting in that church, there was a miracle in the house. And I believe there are miracles in this house today. You are not what you're going to be. You're in seed form now. There are people in this building that are going to be able to do something gigantic for the kingdom of God financially. There are people in this building today that God's going to raise up to do great ministries for the glory of God. And he's preparing the provision for your vision right now. In fact, he's in the process of answering needs that you don't even know that you have now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Because our eyes have not seen and our ears have not heard the things. Everybody say the things. Say it loud. God has things prepared for you that you don't even know. If you would have told me when I started preaching 70 years of age that someday I would pastor one of the large churches in the world, I would say, sure, Betty Prophet. If you would have told me someday we would go to L.A. to build a church, but before we build a church, we realized that we had to build the people. If you told me that someday we would have a dream center, We'd have a hospital 15 stories high, 900 people living there, over 250 beds for human trafficking girls. If you'd have told me, I wouldn't have believed it. If you'd have told me someday, I'd be the chancellor of Grand Canyon 
University and then switch and become the chancellor of Southeastern. I say, no way. I didn't even graduate from college. Amen. <laughs> and when they asked me to be the chancellor, I thought they were talking about a chandelier. That's how dumb that I was. But God was preparing something. See, the problem is, if it doesn't come fast, we think a delay is a denial. I'm going to encourage you now. Do you know how long I had the dream for the dream center before it came to pass? 40 years. 40 years before it happened, I drove down that boulevard in California. I looked at the great Angelus Temple built by Amy McPherson, the great woman preacher who was like the Billy Graham of her day. And God spoke to me and said, someday you're going to be the pastor of that church. I said, God, you really miss God on that one. Amen. <laughs> I'm Assemblies of God there, Foursquare. We have no dealings one with another. Isn't that pitiful? Amen. The day of denominational is over. We are bound together by relationships. Come on, say a good, say a good amen out there. Forty years from the day God gave me the vision that I went to L.A. But God, all that time was working. He was preparing people to fund it. There were many men that later said to me, "We didn't even know when you went there. We didn't know about you, but we were making money building apartments." And, to give to you. See, God also was preparing a young man to pastor that church. When God gave me the vision, he wasn't even born. He really was in seed form. Amen. <laughs> Waiting for the appointed time. Waiting for due season. Listen, some of you are trying to speed it up too fast. Due season will come. So you need more of the right kind of need. Number two, the bigger the need, the bigger the supply. Number three, God knows the need before I ask. And number four, you need to know what your need is. Revelations 3.17, you say, I'm rich. I have everything I need. I don't need a thing. Don't you realize that you're wicked, you're miserable, you're poor, blind, and naked? Well, pastor... I'll never need to work again. The kids are married. I'm rid of the yoke. One yoke has gone off to college. Another yoke has run off of some yokel. <laughs> the church debt is paid. But God said, in that moment, you're in a dangerous position. Years ago, I picked up the Pentecost Evangel. I read of a church in San Paulo, Brazil, the greatest church in the world at that time, bigger than Dr. Cho at that moment. Signs, wonders, miracles, thousands being saved. People were coming all over the world to see it. When one day the revival ebbed, and then it began to go down, and the pastor was frantic. He began to pray and fast, and God spoke to him and said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go to that church that just paid their debt off. And ask them and get permission. Tell them that God spoke to you to mortgage that church and borrow all the money that you can against it. And build churches all over St. Paul. He went to his congregation. They agreed. 
I visited that church four years ago. Today they have over a thousand churches that they have built in San Paulo, Brazil alone. And they run 250,000 people in the one church. You see, a needless life is an unproductive life. A meaningless life is a mediocre life. You need to know what your need is. Well, pastor, nobody needs me. And we think if we complain that nobody needs us. The church has all the workers. I'm old now and they put me on the shelf. Okay. Number six, then find a need in them that they didn't know they have and make them need you. <laughs> Several years ago, my first church, Davenport, Iowa, our church is growing. I had a little habit that I'd go to church on Sunday morning at 4 o'clock and get my heart prepared and study and get ready for the service. But I always like to have a cup of coffee and a donut. But there were no Starbucks then, way back there. There were no donut shops, no Krispy Kreme donuts. How many know what Krispy Kreme is? That's what fell from heaven in the form of manna. Yes, it was. That little lady found out that I had a need and there was nothing open at that moment. So Saturday night, she would bake a donut. And Sunday morning, she would come, four o'clock, and brew me some coffee. One day, we had a snowstorm in Iowa. Poor grandma couldn't get out. Snow was that deep. I got mad at her. <laughs> I wanted to kick her out of the church, Amen. She had found a need in me and made me addicted to her. <laughs> so you'd like to be on the church staff? I'll tell you how to do it. Find a need in this church that maybe the pastors don't even know about. And you make that need so big and so great. And then threaten to leave if they don't hire you. Amen. <laughs> I got to tell you one more. Matthew. A little lady came to him at the Dream Center and said, you know, I've just started a new ministry. Oh, he said, tell me about it. Well, it's called the pimp ministry. <laughs> pimp ministry, yeah. Well, tell me about it. She said, well, I go to this donut shop. I'm really hung up on donuts today. I'm getting, <laughs> I wish I had a Krispy Kreme, amen. And she said, I go there, and that's where all the pimps hang out. And I preach to them. She, he said, well, do they like it? She said, no, but I do it anyway. And they know I'm going to come. So finally, when I walk in, they say, this is our pastor. <laughs> we give her seven minutes to preach. Everybody listen up. And I preached to them. One day they came to me and they said, we are having the National Pimp Convention. <laughs> I'm not making this up, folks. Amen. And they come from all over, the, all over the America to attend the Pimp Convention. They give away an award for the Pimp of the Year. Literally, they said, we want you to come. So she went, she was her pastor. When it was over, she said, now that I have come, I want you to go to church with me. And they said, well, she came to our deal. Let's go. Matthew said that Sunday morning when he looked at the back of the church, he had never seen so many canes and hats and pig coats. But when he gave the altar call, he looked down. And there they were with their canes in the air. 
and their grills gleaming in the spotlight. Oh, by the way, we have a new ministry and a new pastor at the Dream Center. It's a pimp ministry. Come on, say a good amen. And they're being saved by the grace of God and women are being spared because somebody found a need and they filled it. And now I come to my last point and I got eight minutes. Okay, hang on right now. You need to learn how to seed your need. In 2 Corinthians, the Bible said that God gives seed to the perfect attendance people, right? <laughs> he, he gives seed to the pleasant people. The Bible said he gives seed to the what? Sower. So when I sow, I put myself in a position where God's supply can increase. And if we'd learn more how to be a better sower, I think we'd learn more about God's supply. Now, I, you've heard me speak about the Dream Center. If you don't know what the Dream Center is, it's a Queen of Angels hospital that we bought, 15 stories high. Uh, it has uh, 1,400, excuse me, over 3,000 rooms. Uh, and it's, it's an amazing place. It is filled with people, drug addicts, prostitutes, gang members, and that's just the pastoral staff. Amen. <laughs> Every kind of need that you can imagine. And today we have 250 of them that are spread across America. We have 250 beds just for girls caught in human trafficking, the largest ministry for that human ministry in America. And we're building now a place that'll hold 400 girls more. Well, but my church in Phoenix got jealous. They want a dream center in Phoenix. They said, Pastor, we have all the needs they have there. We need one there, but I didn't want to start another because this one was about to kill me, amen. <laughs> because I go out every week like when I'm here, whatever is given is given to the Dream Center. It's made out directly to the Dream Center. And for 30 years, I've not received a penny for myself. It all goes to the Dream Center. Matthew does the same thing. But it takes over a million dollars a month just to feed and clothe. Everybody, nobody pays. They just come, be set free by the grace of God. I met a man this morning who told me he was saved at the Dream Center and serving God. And come on, give the Lord a good clap, offer. Amen. So one day I found a, a place that was an Embassy Suites hotel. It was for sale. We could buy it for $3.9 million. Wow. So I went to my church and I said, you've been after me for years to build, to buy a dream center. We can get this place. And it's only, I said, $4 million. So I said, in two weeks, three weeks rather, we're going to receive an offering to buy that place. And I want you all to pray about what you should give. The first Sunday morning, I was going to preach on faith. I got up to preach and looked in the audience and there was a pastor from Indonesia that I preached at his church. He was building a church that would seat almost 20,000 people. The roof was on it. 
but they'd run out of money. They borrowed all they could borrow. And God spoke to me and said, I want you to give all the tithe and offering today to that ministry. We've never done it before or since. We don't have money in the bank. We live from week to week. But we received the offering. It was over $300,000. I thought I got two more Sundays before I take the offering. The next week, as I walked in the building, the terrible tsunami had taken place again in Indonesia. Thousands had died, and my church members came and said, we got to take up an offering for the poor people, the Christians there especially, that have lost their church in Indonesia. I had my own tsunami. I didn't want to, amen. But I yielded, and at the end of the service, we passed the pans the second time after the tithe. And they gave over, again, $300,000. I said to myself, I've run my offering. All the money's been given. They're not going to give our, our need of our own dream center. So the next Sunday was the Sunday that we were to receive the offering. And I was downhearted, and I just preached. And I said, we're now going to take the offering for our dream center. Give if you want to, and if you don't, don't give. Amen. <laughs> when it was over, I went out and played golf with my son, Luke. We were playing golf, and the phone rang, and it was the guy from the business department and said, would you like to know what the offering was? I said, no. <laughs> I knew it would be bad news. He said, well, the offering in cash was 1600000 and people pledged, without us asking them, over $2 million. And a man watching on television who had moved away to San Diego and God had blessed greatly, he was sending a million dollars. You see, we had seeded our need. And then shortly after that, Katrina hit and Matthew wanted to bring all those people to the Dream Center. He said, Dad, let's bring at least 400. I said, we don't have room. He said, well, I've already got the people bunking three in a bunk, and we can do it. I said, how are we going to get them here? He said, I'm surprised. I've heard you say, Dad, that money follows ministry. I just hate it when they use my preaching against me. <laughs> A man walked in the next day from the Kabbalah religion and said, I heard about what you're doing. I'm going to fly all these people with private jets to the Dream Center. And every time they landed one of these jets, the newspaper was there. Television was there. Nobody else was doing this in California. We became the darling, and people began to show up, and churches began to send money. Dr. Cho in Korea sent $100,000. The Four Square sent 100000 A church sent 100000 TBN gave 200000 Daystar gave 200000 Morcerella, the evangelist, sent a million dollars. And TV, God began to send. People, Inside Edition came and did a story. Lou Dobbs did a story. Good in the morning, America. Dr. Phil showed up <laughs> and did two shows from the Dream Center. Movie stars started coming. Ben Stiller, Nicole Ritchie. I could go on and on. Politicians, Patty Reagan, Ronald Reagan's daughter. Maurice Shriver, the governor's wife. Senator Kyle, sports personalities began to come. Magic Johnson showed up and gave everybody Starbucks. 
cards because he owned the Starbucks. And he had a big barbecue for everybody was there. Sugar Ray Leaner, the boxer, showed up. Mike Tyson, the boxer, showed up. When he showed up, I wore my earmuffs. Amen. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. Amen. <laughs> and a miracle took place. These people begin to come to church. And I looked out one morning and I saw Patricia Heaton of I Love Raymond, Elijah Kelly of Hairspray Movie, Sinbad the Comedian, Chris Tucker came and accepted Christ as his personal Savior. Stevie Wonder showed up and asked if he could sing a song. We said, you can sing as many as you want to, amen. And he sang an old spiritual, falling in love with Jesus was the best thing that I ever did. And revival broke in our church. And as I looked at all these people, my mind went back. When I first came and I I was getting ready to run from Phoenix to L.A., 436 miles, to raise money so we could buy the Queen of Angels Hospital. So I was running through the streets at night, and people were standing on the street corner just screaming, insane people. The asylums had run out of money, and the government had turned them on the street. And I smelled human waste, and I said to myself, how can we build a church? When the fathers have deserted the family. When there's no jobs, when there's no finances. And God spoke these words to me. You reach people that nobody else wants. Then I'll give you people that everybody wants. And if you come to the dream center, you'll see the lame, the poor, the wheelchair people. But if you strain your eyes real good. You'll see the beautiful people of Beverly Hills and Hollywood that, that are amidst the crowd. I'm saying to this church, in a couple of weeks, the pastor, I'm sure, is going to challenge you. We can build a great church to house the great revival. This church has a need, but there's provision for the vision. I've learned that if we will... Do the unusual. Give the unusual gift to God. And some of you, I want you to even challenge you. Think about giving the largest gift you've ever given to God. Because when you do the unusual, then God does the supernatural. I believe there are miracles in this house. I believe that even now God is preparing God to use something great. Because he'll take a miracle to build the kind of building that you need to reach this area. I close with this scripture. The Bible said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might find mercy and grace in the time of need." Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you. Why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.